Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. Welcome back to another 49ers Rush podcast. It's been too long, and it's in the off season, but this is my favorite time of the year. If you are one of the f- people that follow me on Twitter, you know um, I'm breaking down film constantly. The draft approaching time or draft season is, I don't know, it's, it's a time period where every single fan base is filled with hope and excitement, and everybody is involved, and there's just so many moving pieces. This has been a great offseason with the signees the 49ers have brought in. Uh, different trades that have taken place. It's just been awesome. But what I want to do today, I want to go through and break down the biggest positions of need uh, now that free agency has kind of cooled off for the 49ers. We might sign a few more players, but no more kind of big splash starter signings. And so I want to look at and break down the positions of need for the 49ers moving into the draft and what that might look like possible targets and the goal of today is to set up what i think (laughs) the 49ers big board is moving in for their first round pick so right off the bat the two biggest positions of needs are edge rusher and inside linebacker and i i think there is a clear gap after that because this is where we do not have starters so right off the bat if we look at edge rusher edge rusher is huge first and foremost because It is the second most important position in the entire NFL. You have the quarterback. Obviously, we've got that locked up with probably the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, That being sarcastic just a little bit. He is undefeated. But anyway, quarterback's locked up. But number two right behind QB is edge pass rusher, which we are completely devoid of. Uh, We, I I don't understand exactly why (laughs) we are in the position that we are in because we have... I don't know. We, we've done so much. We've spent so many picks at that position, but it doesn't matter. It, it's just we are not at the position where we have secured that spot. So um, our current pass rush, if we were to define our edge defenders right now, you got Solomon Thomas. He's one of those ends, and that's great. But our Leo position or our star, star pass rusher is just doesn't exist. Um, Elvis Dumerville uh, filled in last year and led our team with sacks, but he is gone. He has not been re-signed. We picked up Jeremy Itachu. Um, we re-signed Cassius March. There's been rumors going around um, that Eli Harold will be playing that position. Uh, Eric Armstead maybe, but again, they're all just question marks and... None of those people have been able to solidify themselves as this. Again, if you look at Itachu or Cassius March, they didn't play a combined 200 snaps against the pass last year. Combined. Uh, Eric Armstead can't stay healthy, and he's a little bit too big to play that Leo spot. Um, We've had Er uh, Eli (laughs) Harold for a while, and it just has not come to the forefront. So this is a major position of need, and in an ideal world, this is where we would draft first. And I think if, I, if I'm if i betting, 
I would say we're going pass rusher. But inside linebacker, which is another major spot for us, is a huge question mark as well. And, and I can hear you say, John, but didn't we draft a first-round linebacker last year? Yeah, we did. Reuben Foster. And he played lights out. Top five inside linebacker his rookie year. But injuries and off-the-field issues are just so bad. Um, one, he's getting suspended. Whether or not that happens to start the year or if it's going to drag out long-term, kind of like what the Ezekiel Elliott suspension did, we don't know. But he is going to be suspended a minimum of six games for the domestic abuse. That's not even bringing up the arrest for drug use, so on and so forth. So Reuben Foster is going to be suspended. And so basically moving forward, you have to have the idea, man, I hope he can continue to play for us. But I cannot rely on him because let's just say he is suspended. Now, we do have Malcolm Smith coming back who is healthy. Uh, he got injured in training camp, and we signed him um, to be kind of our will linebacker from Oakland last year. But he got injured before the season started. But Malcolm Smith is a backup kind of third down specialist at best. He is not a cornerstone for that defense. And again, for our 4-3 cover 3 defense, defense that we have in place with Robert Sala, you need a stud there in that linebacking position. So even if Malcolm Smith is completely healthy, you shouldn't be happy. And then we got Brock Coyle, who's probably going to be the person filling in for Reuben Foster at that Mike position, which we re-signed. And I love Brock Coyle as a person and a special teamer and a backup, but he played 646 snaps last year. He led our entire linebacking core for most snaps. And I'm sorry, he is not a starter in the NFL. So if Reuben Foster gets suspended, our two inside linebackers are going to be Malcolm Smith and Brock Coyle? Absolutely not. That is not going to get us into the playoffs. So inside linebacker is going to be a huge need, and I think one of these two positions are going first. Now, let's jump down a few tiers, and I'm going to address four other positions that will be addressed at some point in the draft, probably not in the first pick. But uh, the next position up is safety. Eric Reed is gone. Um, I love Eric Reed. I wish we would have resigned him. I hope we still do resign him. Uh, there's a strong chance his NFL career is over and has nothing to do with his talent. Um, it seems he hasn't even got a workout or a tryout in, and all that has to do with his protest, very similar to what happened to Colin Kaepernick. Um, but he is gone, and he played a lot of snaps for us last year. So as of now, our safety lineup looks like free safety, Adrian Colbert which I'm so excited about. Like, he needs to be there, and strong safety is going to be Jaquiski Tart, which that's fine. I'm okay with that. But Tart has not shown he can stay healthy. He blows assignments so much. He is such a boom-bust player. Uh, he makes an amazing play, and then he gives up a huge touchdown. Then he makes an amazing play. Then he gives up another outside contain. Uh, I've talked about it a lot. And Jimmy Ward... They are speaking that they are moving him back to corner, and he's going to play that third corner role. And even if whatever, you can move him wherever you want. I know that he can play free safety, strong safety, corner, nickel corner. He can play all that. That's great. But you can't rely on him because he's just not durable. Um, the best ability is availability, uh, which is what Bill Polian said. And Jimmy Ward, he, he can't finish a season to save his life. So I think safety is something that we will address but it is in that kind of second to third tier as far as what position is most important for us. Now, wide receiver is going to be a need. And Kyle Shanahan's system, there are a lot of players 
that get snaps. It's not just your starters. And our starters are good. I love our starters. When Pierre Garçon's back, <coughs> Pierre Garçon is back. We got Trent Taylor in the slot, and we got Marquise Goodwin as the other wide receiver, and that is, I love that. However, we don't have depth behind our starters. We have Kendrick Bourne, who took 284 snaps last year, which is probably enough. You don't want to see that go up, and I love his talent. I love what he brings to the team, but again, he is a extra piece. He is just depth. He's not going to be a starter in the NFL for a while. Um Aldrick Robinson, 439 snaps. He didn't play that well when he got in. And Lewis Murphy got 223 snaps. So just right off the bat, we're looking at over 900 snaps that are going to project players. So there's a lot of space there for a stud. Um, So I don't think we will address it in the first round just because wide receiver position in this draft is very, very, very weak to say the least. I think there's a lot of depth there. But there is not the top end. Last year, we had three wide receivers go in the top 10, and not one of them panned out. Corey Davis, Mike Williams, and John Ross. Probably one of the worst first-round picks before it's all said and done in the history of the NFL. He didn't have one catch, and they're already talking about moving him into corner. Anyway, I digress. So wide receiver is something we will approach at some point in the draft. And the next one is guard, which we have done so much for the interior of our offensive line, and I absolutely love it. Bringing over Weston Richard, Richburg, uh, one of the bright young centers that it just fits Kyle Shanahan's system to a T. We signed Jonathan Cooper to come in and play guard, and we are getting Joshua Garnett, our first-round draft pick, back. Having said all those things, the Rams just signed Indomitian Sue to add to Aaron Donald in our division, and I think as... A roster construction standpoint, the very first thing that you need to do is you need to win your division. And right now, the division champs are the Rams, and we need to make sure that we scheme against them. And I understand I, I'm projecting Joshua Garnett to be a good guard, which leaves Lakin Tomlinson and Jonathan Cooper fighting for that other guard spot. That's not good enough. In an ideal world, those two guys would be competing to be the backup interior offensive lineman. So um, I think that guard is a position that we will get in the first three pick, uh, first three rounds. We have a first pick number nine. Then we have our second rounds, pick number 59. Then we have two third rounders, 70 and 74. If you remember, we dropped back from number two to three last year with the Bears and picked up their uh, third rounder. So that's another position that I think in the third round we will target. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. Now, running back, even though we just paid a lot of money to Jarek McKinnon, uh, he's going to be our starter. But Kyle Shanahan wants two studs. If, if you go back to his time, it doesn't matter where he has been, um, whether that was in Cleveland or whether that was in Atlanta, he wants two running backs and kind of that 60-40 split. And it seems like we got our 60% guy in Jarek McKinnon and love that. And Matt Breida is great. Love Matt Breida. However, again... That's an undrafted rookie free agent last year. I think that Matt Breida is a perfect special teamer and third back, third option at running back, not your number two guy. And I understand he stepped he stepped in and played great last year, but if there is an option to up that position in the third, fourth round, I really think we're going to be taking somebody. So those are my major positions of need. Now what I want to do is jump to what I consider, again, this is a huge stretch, and bear with me, 
what my guess of the 49ers big board looks like for the first round. And I, I, I've broken it down to 13 possible selections, and I would be willing to bet the farm, which I don't have a farm, but if I did have a farm, I would bet this farm that it's going to be one of these 13 guys. So, number one in a tier all by himself, the perfect best scenario in the history of the 49ers would be if Bradley Chubb, the defensive end out of NC State, falls to us at number nine. Now, this isn't going to happen. Having said that, in a best case scenario, this is what would happen. And let me give you a little bit of background on Bradley Chubb. One six four two sixty nine. He ran a four six five, which is good, not great. Uh, he was the Nagurski Award winner, uh, best defensive player in the nation, back to back ten sack seasons, and just does all of the small things. And that's what kind of makes him elite. Yes, he is a great pass rusher, but he is one of the best contained defensive ends that I have seen in the run game in a long time. He plays with great arm extension to where he always maintains his gap, and he has insane effort. If you're a film person, go watch NC State versus Louisville and watch Bradley Chubb just chase Lamar Jackson around the entire game. It is it's, it's pretty funny but impressive. Um, he's got a great first step. He shoots the inside gap on stunts as well as anybody. And he's one of those guys that's very similar to Solomon Thomas in the fact that he gets a lot of tackles for loss. But he also brings what Solomon Thomas has never really had in his game. And that's huge sack numbers. So I really, really do think that this guy is a stud. And the ice cream or the cherry on top of the ice cream is that whenever he tackles the quarterback, he destroys the quarterback. There is no arm tackle. There's no slinging down. He is a superb athlete that drives through and almost kills them. <laughs> uh, my player comparison for Bradley Chubb is Ziggy Ansah's pass rush with Cameron Jordan's rushing run-stuffing ability. So if, if that kind of gives you any key of how much of a complete player this guy is, um, that would be ideal. Now, the odds are he's probably going to go number two overall to the Giants. If he doesn't go there, probably number four to the Browns. And if not there, the lowest he will go is number six to the Colts. So probably not going to get him, and that's a whole tier. So number one on my big board, Bradley Chubb. So now we're dropping down. We're already in the second tier, and these are the things that I think one of these will happen. I have four players in this tier, and my number two player on the big board is Quinton Nelson, the offensive guard out of Notre Dame, and is a generational talent, probably the highest-rated interior offensive lineman that I have ever rated. The only person that even got close to that was Ryan Kelly out of Alabama two years ago. If you remember, the Colts took him number 15 overall in the first round, and he had Two great years, and then he got hurt. So anyway, Quentin Nelson, 6'5", 325, and is just a human highlight reel. Not only does he pancake people, but I've seen four separate occasions, and if you go to my Twitter, I put the video up there, where he'll pancake a defensive lineman, and then literally as he gets up, he puts his hands on their chest to get up, and he squats on their face and literally teabags the defender. And if it just happened one time, you'd be like, oh, he just got up weird. Nope. He does that on a consistent basis. It is not enough for this kid to win his block, 
to control his gap. It's not enough for him to pancake you. It's not enough for him to do any of those things. It, he has to literally teabag you on national television repeatedly to let you know that he will dominate you. His feet never stop, and he's got some great upper body strength, and he might be one of the best pulling guards in the history of the game when it's all said and done. Absolute just animal. Um, my player comparison for him is Jason Kelsey. Uh, and David DeCastro combined. So David DeCastro has that mean, nasty streak, and Jason Kelly can pull like no other. And so you put those two guys together, and I know that's saying a lot because those are both all pro players, but he has the best traits of both of those players combined. Um, my number three player, we're staying on the offensive side, and that is Saquon Barkley, running back out of Penn State. And <laughs> again, this is my shot at the 49ers big board. So two Quentin Nelson, three Saquon Barkley. If he's there at nine, which I don't see him falling that far, man, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan will pass up on, on him. If you go back to last year when Peter King of uh, MondayMorningQB.com, uh, he sat in the war room the entire time, and he kept talking about how Kyle Shanahan kept saying, if Christian McCaffrey falls, I want to trade up and get him. Well, he didn't fall. He went in the top ten. But – the idea is there, and Saquon Barkley is just as good a receiving running back, which is what Kyle Shanahan prefers, that I think Saquon Barkley would be too much of a value to pass up at number nine. Again, I don't think he'll be there, but let's go through and talk a little bit about Saquon Barkley. Six foot, 233, ran a 4-4, absolutely crushed the combine. Um, he has a 455-pound bench press, 650-pound squat, and he holds the record for Penn State, which is a 405-pound power clean, which just doesn't make sense what this guy can do. Um, put in this little body, he's the perfect balance power uh, combination. His agility is second to none, and defenders never get a clean hit. And so the one of the big things with Saquon Barkley that I like is his durability should not be an issue because if you watch his game tape, which I've gone through nine of his game films just because it's so fun, nobody ever gets a clean hit on him. There, There's no hit stick. He's shifty. So think LaShawn McCoy type shiftiness, but you're adding an extra 25 pounds onto his body frame, and he's just as fast. It doesn't make any sense. The one critique that has been out there about Saquon Barkley, and it's a small one, is that he doesn't power through the hole. Like if, if there's a hole for two yards, he's going to skip it outside and try to hit a home run, and that's a legitimate concern. But whenever you watch his game film, he was playing behind a terrible offensive line. Um, and if he came to the 49ers, that would totally change. And you could coach that out of him, his mentality. Absolutely love Saquon Barkley. Um, my player comp is Ezekiel Elliott as a runner and Christian McCaffrey as a pass catcher combined. Best of both worlds. Um, I have Saquon Barkley graded out way higher than I did Ezekiel Elliott and higher than I had Christian McCaffrey. He is the highest rated running back I have ever graded. Um, would absolutely love to have that guy there. Now, Still saying in this the second tier of guys who I think will be on the 49ers big board, and these are probably the two most likely chances to be the 49ers first round pick, mainly because it just fits with the board and the way things are looking. Number one, uh, so this is my number four overall, but still in the second tier, Tremaine Edmonds. This is the inside linebacker out of Virginia Tech. 
And this kid is unreal. One, he's going to be 19 years old when he's drafted. So super young and just a freak athlete. He doesn't make sense. He's six foot four, 243, and ran a 4'5", 440. Now, what's even more crazier than that, he has a longer wingspan than LeBron James. And whenever you watch his game film, it looks like he is out there playing with middle schoolers. He is bigger. He is faster. He is meaner. He covers more ground. He just... It's unreal. It's like you're playing a Madden game with a cheat code or something. And he comes from a history of athletes. His father was a Pro Bowl tight end. Um, his brother, his twin brother, is a safety. He's got a cousin that plays um, running back also in the NCAA. He's just unreal. Again, athletic freak that can do everything in insane length. And his blitzing ability from the inside position linebacker is as good as it gets. Some people are saying his body type and everything, he could have played outside rusher. But I don't think you want to do that just by the way he plays in the field. He has unreal closing ability. Again, you watch his game footage against people like Clemson and Louisville with mobile quarterbacks. Man, he might be one of the best spy inside linebackers day one. So Russell Wilson, like he is an absolutely perfect scheme fit against Russell Wilson because he can cover the ground just as much as he can because he's so long. Um, my player comparison for him, it doesn't make, it's LeBron James. There's nobody in the NFL that is like him from the inside linebacker position. And my number five guy is... Again, I'm staying with the inside linebacker position, and I have these two guys so close, and that's Roquan Smith. Um, Georgia inside linebacker, 6'1", 236, and he ran a 4'5", 140. So super, super quick, and he was the defensive player in the SEC. He's kind of more of an undersized, quick linebacker that's a pinball. He does not rip and run through blockers. He bounces off of them and somehow is able to undercut them and swim around. Like, it's horrible technique. As a coach, you would never teach a linebacker to kind of olay or dip around blockers. But his change of speed quickness is second to none. And somehow he manages to always be in the right spot. Uh, wraps up with the best of them. He's not a punishing tackler like Tremaine Edwards Edmonds is. He is a just clinic wrap up, bring down, absolutely no extra yards, but he's not knocking people out of the game. Um, the most disciplined gap control of all the linebackers, kind of his specialty on film, is making sure that back cut is there, is never there, sorry. And he always maintains his back gap responsibilities, and then he has the speed to over-pursue and help play side if he needs to. He's just kind of a quick twitch machine and reminds me a lot of Ryan Shazier, but without the mean attitude. So Ryan Shazier, but that mobility and kind of takes control of a game, but he doesn't necessarily possess that killer instinct to hurt people, even though he is always involved in the game. So that's my second tier. So that's, uh, again, Bradley Chubb 1, Quentin Nelson 2, Saquon Barkley 3, Tre uh, Tremaine Edwards 4, and Roquan Smith 5. Now, this is if things go wrong. This is my third tier. We're going we're gonna to go through four tiers here. And number six, I have Harold Landry, who Boston College edge pass rusher, 6'2", 252. He's a lot shorter than most edge guys, but his production and speed is there. His junior year, he had 16 and a half sacks, and he almost came out of the NFL draft uh, last year, but he decided to go back for a senior year, and he got an ankle injury and just never looked the same since then. 
Um, but his first step is as good as it gets. It's fun whenever you watch film because you can watch a play and pause it half a second afterwards, and he is a full two yards ahead of the rest of the defensive line every single play. Uh, he runs the arc very, very well and has amazing hip flexibility. They call it where he can uh, bend off of the edge is kind of the phrase that everybody uses. And he he reminds me of a Jason Babin. I'm going old school here, but that's just who he reminds me because most edge guys don't fit his player profile of being 6'2 anymore. Uh, the, the edge guys now are all 6'5 plus and super long. But this guy, he's almost like Elvis Dumerville, who we know, but again, he's three inches taller than him, which is funny to say, um, and much quicker. He, he's a super fast-paced guy. So Harold Landry at six. Now we're going to jump into the secondary with my next three picks. And number uh, seven, I have Josh Jackson, um, Iowa cornerback. He's six foot, just a shade under 6'1", 196 pounds. He ran the 40 in a 4.56. We love Iowa players <laughs> for, for the 49ers. And he is the closest thing to fitting our defensive scheme as possible. Now, I know I hear you guys saying, why do we need to spend a first-round pick on a corner? We have Akilah Witherspoon, and we also have our huge addition that we just signed, Richard Sherman, but that's a huge question mark. One, he's on the wrong side of 30, and on top of that, he's coming off an Achilles injury, and with a position like quarterback, we saw what happened whenever we had a cornerback go down. Dante Johnson got destroyed last year and we do not have a lot of depth behind him josh jackson is one he almost came out of his sophomore years redshirt sophomore year last year but the the nfl committee sent him back saying you need to work on your ball skills this is something you need to fix how did he answer well he led the nfl in it or the entire ncaa in interceptions with eight and two of those he took back to the house i think he has the highest ceiling of any corner in this draft and he plays very, very physical and long uh, in the deep ball. I, I mean, whenever you watch him deflect these passes, you're just seeing Richard Sherman in your head. Supports the run game fairly well. Uh, drives at the, the one thing that I will say about this is he dives at the ball carrier's feet too often instead of delivering a blow. And so he reminds me, my player comp for him was Xavier Rhodes, but without the offhand jam. So very similar playing style, except he just keeps his hands to the side. This is something that we need. Uh, he would need to learn. My number eight player is Denzel Ward. Uh, again, another corner, top corner. And I think both of these players will be there when we're picking at nine. Uh, 5'11", 183 pounds, absolute burner. He ran a 4'3", 240, which is just nuts. But he's a lot smaller. He's a full two inches shorter. I'm um, sorry, inch and a half shorter than Josh Jackson. And it's much more of a finesse corner, a mirror and match guy that kind of gets in the way of your route. Not with his hands, but he cuts you off with his body because he just moves so much faster than everybody. Big critique on him is ball skills. He only had two interceptions in his entire career. Uh, which, again, this was the same criticism that was made from his teammate last year, Marshawn Lattimore, who came out and absolutely balled out one defensive rookie of the year. Um, but he wins in the first three seconds and has some of the best feet I have ever seen for a cornerback. His feet are always within his frame. He never is out of um, step or out of phase, and he's very physical. Even though he's small, you don't tell him that because he comes up and he lays the wood. It's It's awesome. He doesn't use his hands very, very well, and at worst, he will be one of the best nickel corners in the entire draft. Now, 
My next, and this is the last pick of this tier, this is a safety prospect, Derwin James out of Florida State. Six foot two, 215, uh, 4, 4, 7, 40. Now, some people believe that he is a generational talent, kind of that thumper. He can play that Cam Chancellor type mentality. This kid is mean and can do so much. Prototypical in-the-box safety with decent coverage skills. Um, great at spying the quarterback. Again, you could do a lot of versatility with this kid. Uh, he knocks people out cold. Has great play recognition and almost like a inside backer mentality. And one of the reasons why I have him up here, again, I don't think safety is a huge need for us, but I think Derwin James could play that other linebacker position for us just like we did with Eric Reed last year if it came down to a, in, in a pinch. Um, now, the one thing with him is he's not great with lateral adjustments in the passing game, but if he is moving forward in one direction, he's a missile. Uh, Barry Church with more upside is how I saw him, but very, very physical and can cause a lot of pain. Now, this is my very last tier, and these are almost like trade-back candidates that could happen. I don't think that they will, but I want to cover my bases and make sure that you guys kind of know who to look out for. Uh, number 10 is Isaiah Wynn. He is a guard out of Georgia, 6'3", 313. Um, he's played all over the line for the Bulldogs, and he was their starting left tackle all the way up to their loss of the national championship. Great feat. Um, but he's too short, only 6'3", to play left tackle. So he's going to be a guard guy, and he kind of fits that weight that Shanahan is looking for. I love Will Hernandez in this draft, but he just doesn't fit the movement of Kyle Shanahan. So that's why I have Isaiah win here. Uh, he doesn't give up any ground in pass protection, which is great being an interior lineman. The one critique I have of him is that he falls down too much, um, he gets his weight on over in front of his feet a little too much. That's something he's going to have to um, kind of fix. But he gets so much drive on the ball in the run game. Um, ben Grubbs with more versatility is kind of how I see him. Again, he's a guy that you could start him at guard day one, and he could back up both tackles if things didn't go right, both guard spots. I don't know about center, but... Just insane versatility, just in case doomsday scenario. Number 11, I got Minka Fitzpatrick, which I, I know a lot of people are like, you're way too low on him. I put some stuff out there on Twitter, and Twitter definitely didn't like it, but that's okay. Um, I, I think that the problem with Minka is he's very clean, and he has a role to play, but I think that role's nickel cornerback, and they even asked him, um, at his pro day, what position do you feel most comfortable with? And he said nickel corner. That drops down your value. Free safety, that's big value. Outside corner, that's big value. Nickel corner, it's valuable, but you have already depreciated your role in the NFL. Now, Mika Fitzpatrick, six foot two hundred four. He ran a four four six. Amazing fundamentals, just smooth. He can play free safety, strong safety, outside corner, nickel. Again, I think nickel's his best spot. Very good against the run. Ball skills are out of this world. Nine interceptions. Got his hand on 24 pass deflections. Had two pick sixes in one game against Arkansas. Um, he's probably one of the safest players in this draft. But again, we have a lot of players like this already that don't have a defined role and is Minka one of those guys that you're going to force to do what you want? Or are you going to put him where he's most used? And so that's why he's dropped down a little bit on mine. Uh, number 12, and I don't think most people will have him this high. That's James Daniels. 
the center out of Iowa. Again, we just love Iowa players, don't we, 49ers fans? Um, but anyway, so the thing that I like about James Daniels, first off, is that he can play center or guard. Uh, he played center the entire time. He's 6'3", 306, and he is the definition of a quick and athletic specimen, very, very similar to what we just signed in Weston Richardburg. Keeps his balance, has the most fluid hips. I mean, his hips look like a cornerback, the way he seals off of um, the defenders from playside gap. It is very, very impressive. Exceptional at driving the defender off the ball in the run game, plays with great leverage. And again, my quote with him, or player comparison, is Ryan Kelly, who I talked about. But the problem with him is he's not as physical in the run game as Ryan Kelly was. But I could see us getting him in a trade back. And the last one, this is my last player on my big board, number 13, Marcus Davenport. This is the defensive end out of UTSA. And a lot of people are high on him because he has all of the traits that you want. If you were to, to design a pass rusher, it's Marcus Davenport. 6'6", 264. He ran a 4'5", He's the definition of power and athleticism. However, very inconsistent effort-wise. And sometimes whenever you watch him, because UTSA, the Roadrunners, the fighting Roadrunners, they didn't play against the best competition. And you find some of those smaller school games and you watch them. North Texas, things like that, and you're just like, who is this guy? Like, he's getting owned by North Texas. Um, and he doesn't have a variety of moves. He seems to just bull rush 90% of the times with no counter moves, and if he doesn't get great push off the bat, he just kind of sits. But the potential is there, and it's all there. Somebody is going to fall in love with this guy. Uh, my player comparison is an unpolished Chandler Jones. Um, I hope we don't get him. But if we trade back, I'd be totally cool with that. Now, what I want to do now is I want to look at what are some ideal pairing situations with first and second round picks. Okay, So I got three different scenarios for us. Number one is best case scenario ever. And that is somehow Bradley Chubb makes it to us at nine. I don't think this is happening. But if we got him at nine, and then we could fix our inside linebacker with our second pick, number 59 overall, the one that we got from the Saints in our trade last year, I'd get Leighton Van Der Esch, which, again, I think he's going earlier in the second round as well. But if I could just have anybody and just plug those guys in, best case scenario, Bradley Chubb in the first, Leighton Van Der Esch out of Boise State, the linebacker in the second round. Now, most likely scenario, and if I had to guess exactly what's going to happen, I think it's this. We're going to be taking an inside linebacker with our number nine pick, and whether that's Tremaine Edmonds or Roquan Smith, I would prefer Edmonds with our first pick, and then pass rusher with the second pick. And I think it's going to end up being somebody like Jeff Holland out of Auburn or Duke Ejiofor out of Wake Forest. I think that that is my most likely scenario where we go inside linebacker, then pass rush. However, don't be surprised. If a second-tier pass rusher, we get in the very first round. Somebody like Harold Landry, who I talked about, and Marcus Davenport. Now, that's going to be a reach at number nine. But the NFL draft is very, very similar in that two things always happen. Number one, quarterbacks get pushed up the board. And I think there's going to be five or six quarterbacks go in the first round this year. We're not going to be involved in that. But we could benefit from it in a trade, which I'm going to talk about in a second. But number two is... Pass rushers are at a premium, and this is one of the weak or, I guess, shallowest pass rusher draft classes 
in probably the last six years, if there is one position that is devoid of top-end talent, it is pass rushers and wide receivers. And unfortunately, we kind of need both of those. So don't be surprised if we get a guy like Harold Landry at 9 or Marcus Davenport at 9. I know you're not seeing any mock drafts that are saying that, but that is a huge position of need for us. And then go pick up a running back like John Kelly or on Johnson in the second round. Again, we still need that second guy. It's okay if we have Matt Breida, but I guarantee you Kyle Shanahan is seeing some of these guys saying, come on, I want these guys. So I want to talk about a couple trade scenarios, and then I'm going to leave you guys alone for a little bit. Number one is trade up. I don't think we're going to trade up in this draft because we have 50 picks between our first and second round. And I guarantee you, if you look at what John Lynch did last year, he tied the record for most draft trades in a single draft with five. He likes to move. And I know having 50 picks in between them is going to drive him insane. Because let's just say he stays at nine and makes his pick. He's going to have to wait all the way till the end of the second round to get another guy. He's not going to like that. So... Let's say somehow Bradley Chubb gets past six, which again, I don't think is going to happen. And the main reason why I don't think it's going to happen is because there's just so many teams that need pass rush in the NFL. Um, Giants at two, Browns at four, Colts at six. Now the Browns don't necessarily need it, but they have so many picks. It's kind of like a best case scenario where they can just do top end talent. Plus, Hugh Jackson has been on the record saying he dreams of what it would be like to have Miles Garrett and Bradley Chubb there. But let's say Bradley Chubb somehow gets past six. I could see us making an offer to the Bucks at seven for our first, uh, our number nine overall and our number 70, our first third round pick to jump up. And that kind of fits on the trade chart. And I know the trade chart, it's just there for reference. I'm not saying that's exactly what the trade would be, but the numbers work. We would jump up and we would be able to grab Bradley Chubb. That would be amazing. I don't think it'd happen, but if we can get Chubb, I would pay a lot more than that. Trading back, however, much more likely. In fact, I'd say very likely. If I had to bet at us picking at nine, man, it'd, it'd almost be, it'd be like a 60% we stay there, 40% we trade back. Again, just because we want picks and we want to move and manipulate the draft. That's just what John Lynch has shown. So let's say quarterbacks fall and four quarterbacks don't go in the top eight picks. That means there's going to be one, two, three teams trying to move up. Number one is Buffalo because, one, they've made it known that they need a quarterback and they have a lot of draft capital. They have two first-round picks. Also, Miami. That's a huge one in Arizona. Now, I don't think we're going to be trading with the division rival, so I'm throwing Arizona out of this picture. Let's say uh, Buffalo wants to trade up with us. We would get the number 12 overall and their second-round pick, number 53 overall, in exchange for our nine. That would be awesome because that would give us two seconds, and we could still get somebody that's in that kind of top tier if Bradley Chubb isn't there, which he's not going to be there. Or Miami. Now, Miami is picking at 11. And I don't think that we could get a first and a second dropping back two picks um, from 9 to 11. So I think we would get their number 73 and possibly number 209, their sixth. So the ideal is Buffalo. I really, really hope that they trade up with us and not somebody ahead of us. But those are just some ideas. Um, so hopefully you understand kind of the different stuff that's going on in the draft. And hit me up on Twitter if you're like, oh my gosh, how could you say this guy's not in your 
big board for the 49ers. Let's talk it out. Let's figure it out. We can break down film and figure all those things together. If you haven't already, follow me on Twitter at JL underscore Chapman, JL underscore C-H-A-P-M-A-N. And I am also putting out a lot of new content for EatSleepFantasy.com. If you're into fantasy and dynasty, I'm hosting a dynasty podcast over at EatSleepFantasy.com. Every weekend, we're putting out a new dynasty episode, and you can check us out over there. But as always, thanks for listening. Stay strong, faithful. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.